Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed to foster community for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike by navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Thanks for joining. Hello, friends. Um, This is Emma. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, Thanks for joining us today as we pray. Uh, If you are new, welcome. Uh, If you've been around since the first episode of the first season, welcome back. We are just so grateful, um, really, and humbled to be doing this work. Uh, We're just so stoked that you decided to click on the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast today. We know there are so many podcasts out there. Um, Thanks for choosing us. Um, So friends, last week in full transparency and honesty, I had one of those stop you in your tracks moments. Um, I was walking to work in nine degree snowfall, which nine degrees was actually on the warm end last week here in Chicago. Uh, My feet were wet from the slush and my heart was fatigued from the routine and the mundane. Uh, From the fact that parts of me feels like I've lived the same day every day since March of last year. And then it happened, the thought, like a small but hot whisper came to my mind. What in the world am I doing with my life? Now, don't get me wrong. I've had the thought many times throughout various phases of my life, especially last year in 2020. Um, But this just felt bigger, more formative, more monumental. Um, In the first episode of this year, Philip and I talked about casting vision, and one of my goals was to pray bigger, more specific, and messier prayers. Uh, Seek and you shall find friends, because this one tiny thought has snowballed with the nine-degree flurries and spiraled me into sort of a mini-crisis of vocation. Um, My prayers for the last few weeks have existed in a tension between our current season and reality and the reality of the forward the possibilities that come with potential. I find myself pulled towards planning and preparation in order to avoid the nakedness and, frankly, the boredom of my current moment. And to be honest, I don't come here today with an answer or a cure for this feeling. Um, I just come with some things that have been encouraging for me. I actually had someone recently send me a sermon that he did, and I was so blown away by it. And I was like, wow, this was so great. And he said that he needed to hear it more than anybody else. And that's why he connected to it and resonated with with it so much. So that's why I'm here. This is what I'm experiencing right now. And I just hope that this can be encouraging for you. So in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, sort of a similar tension exists. Uh, God is preparing the Israelites and surrounding nations through the prophetic words of Isaiah for newness. Nations falling, sin reckoning, namely the destiny of Judah and Jerusalem in relation to the surrounding nations of Babylon and Assyria. This 66-chapter book discusses the wrath of God, vengeance, sin. However, in the nature of being a prophetic book, there is a constant looking forward, and in this particular case, a forward of hope, a holy seed, a covenant of peace, and a Messiah that leads to the new Jerusalem. Wow. Uh, Isaiah 52, 12 says, For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go out in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So I didn't really like know what a rear guard was, so I looked it up, and it's from the word akaf, 
which means to bring up the rear, to gather, to connect, to assemble. And I just think this is so beautiful because this verse in one sentence says that he literally goes before us acting as the Lord that goes before. And then it says that he will be our rear God. So he actually comes after us as well. Um, He is at the beginning and the end. He exists with us in the tension of the before and the victory of the after. I pray not to rush out of the between, the in-between, where intimacy and trust live. So a lot of this reminds me of my favorite book of all time, uh, Anonymous by Elisa Britt Cole. I, Alicia Britt Cole. I think it's Cole. Maybe it's Chol. I don't know. But I, I read it last year, and now I'm re- reading it again with my small group. Um, I imagine I will probably read it every year for the rest of my life. But this book, which I talk about incessantly on this podcast, discusses Jesus's hidden years before his formal ministry begins. Um, in the years between Matthew 1.18, the birth of Jesus, and Matthew 4.12, where Jesus begins his ministry. So these three chapters in scripture skip nearly two and a half decades of Jesus' life. Um, we see briefly one time Jesus in his adolescence, but it's just crazy to me to think that we study Jesus, our Savior and Messiah, um, and we only get to study about three years of his life. Um, what about the years before? His adolescence, his teen years, what about his 20s? Those are supposed to be you know, fun and flirty and formative, right? And we don't see those. Instead, we imagine Jesus, a carpenter's son, fully knowing his divine destiny, making chairs, asking God, is today the day? God saying, not yet, my son. And Jesus, the savior of the world, going back to make chairs. Jesus himself existed for more of his life than not in the tension between divine calling and timing. Uh, Cole writes about this and she says, What a combination. During these uncelebrated years, Jesus submitted to a seemingly delayed destiny, a God-sized mission pulsated in his heart. But he was not free to explain it, proclaim it, or actively pursue it. Onlookers saw only the tip of the iceberg of Jesus, who truly was, and they could have never imagined the indestructible greatness growing just beneath the surface of Jesus's unapplauded life. What would that experience build in someone? What does it build in us? What grows in that underestimated gap between God's calling and others' perceptions, between our true capabilities and our current realities? Most of us struggle if our dreams are delayed one year, let alone 20. We find God's pauses perplexing. They seem to be a waste of our potential. When those pauses extend beyond what we can comprehend or explain, say, for instance, three days, we often spiral into self-doubt or second-guessing. But in anonymous seasons, we must hold tightly to the truth that no doubt strengthened Jesus throughout his hidden years. Father God is neither careless nor causeless with how he spends our lives. When he calls a soul simultaneously to greatness and obscurity, the fruit, if we wait for it, can change the world. Oh, you guys, so good. Um, So ultimately, I think we exist in this tension of feeling pulled towards purpose. I think a lot of us listening see the theater industry as our ministry, um, the vehicle by which the Lord has demonstrated his kindness and the pool in which we have been most able to share the gospel and help the spirit change hearts. And we want to get back to doing that. Um, I, for one, can only speak for myself, but I need to remember 
that my primary function is not to be an actor. It isn't even to make theater my ministry. My primary reason for existence is to enjoy God, glorify him, and share the gospel. And if that means praying over a one-year-old who calls me mama, so be it. If that means, you know, living at home with your parents, making TikTok meals and talking about scripture, so be it. God is not in the business of wasting time. And though these years and these dreams may be steeped in anonymity for a lot of us, they can be filled with purpose if we posture ourselves to allow it. So to pray us out, I'm going to read a liturgy from the book Every Moment Holy. These are some really hard words for me to pray, as my heart still aches for theater and for art. Um, But let us pray to mean these words. This prayer is called The Death of a Dream. O Christ, in whom the final fulfillment of all hope is held secure, I bring to you now the weathered fragments of my former dreams, the broken pieces of my expectations, the rent patches of hopes worn thin, the shards of some shattered image of life as I once thought it would be. What I so wanted has not come to pass. I invested my hopes in desires that returned only sorrow and frustration. Those dreams, like glimmering fairy feasts, could not sustain me. And in my head I know that you are sovereign even over this, over my tears, my confusion, and my disappointment. But I still feel, in this moment, as if I have been abandoned. As if you do not care that these hopes have collapsed into rubble. And yet I know this is not so. You are sovereign over my sorrow. You apprehend a wider sweep with wiser eyes than mine. My history bears the fingerprints of grace. You were always faithful, though I could not always trace quick evidence of your presence in my pain. Yet did you remain at work, lurking in the wings, sifting all my splintering for bright embers that might be breathed into more eternal dreams. I have seen so oft in retrospect how you had not neglected me, but had, with a master's care, flared my desire like silver in a crucible to burn away some lesser longing and bring about your better vision. So let me remain tender now, and how you would teach me. My disappointments reveal so much about my own agenda for my life and the ways I quietly demand that it should play out, free of conflict, free of pain. My dreams are all so small. Your bigger purpose has always been for my greatest good, that I would day to day be fashioned into a more fit vessel for the indwelling of your spirit and molded into a more compassionate emissary of your coming kingdom. And you, in love, will use all means to shape my heart into these perfect forms. So let disappointment do its work. My truest hopes have never failed and they have merely been buried beneath the shoveled muck of disillusion or encased in a carapace of self-serving desire. It is only false hopes that are brittle, shattering like shells of thin glass to reveal the diamond hardness of the unshakable, eternal hopes within. So shake and shatter all that would hinder my growth, O God. Unmask all false hopes, that my one true hope might shine out unclouded and undimmed, So let me be tutored by this new disappointment. Let me listen to its holy whisper that I might release at last these lesser dreams, 
then I might embrace the better dream you dream for me and for your people and for your kingdom and for your creation. Let me join myself to these, investing all hope in the one that will never come undone or betray those who place their trust in it. Teach me to hope, O Lord, always and only in you. You are the king of my collapse. You answer not what I demand, but what I do not even know to ask. Now take this dream, this husk, this chaff of my desire, and give it back reformed and remade according to your better vision. Or do not give it back at all. Here in the ruins of my wrecked expectation, let me make this best confession. Not my dreams, O Lord. Not my dreams, but yours be done. Amen. Thank you.